first seven verses here of chapter 12 of Genesis in just a minute, but let me sort of set the stage. Um, several weeks ago, I began a series of messages with you. We've had a few interruptions, and they weren't really interruptions. They were planned, and so we've done some other things. But it may be that you'll just now remember, oh yeah, we're doing this. And yes, we are. We're looking at the subject of how to alter uh, your life. And I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure that I do know you, that you're like me in that there's stuff in your life that needs changing. There's always things in my life I'm discovering that needs to get more in line with God's will and plans and purposes for my life. Stuff needs to be changed. And yes, I do know how to spell, and I realize that in this context, you would expect to see this word spelled A-L-T-E-R, which has to do with change, but I'm specifically uh, using a play on words and spelling it A-L-T-A-R, because in these weeks together, and this is now our fourth installment, we've been looking at times in the Bible when people had significant life change at an altar, A-L-T-A-R. An altar is a place where worship is offered to God, where prayer is offered to God, where sacrifice is offered to God, a place where people meet God. And so we are specifically looking at six occasions when this happens, when a person's life was dramatically transformed at an altar and we're pulling out of that experience a, a change, a life change principle. And today, we're going to be dealing with the subject of faith, the life change principle of faith. And now, faith is a huge subject, and it's hugely important. In fact, the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Not unlikely, impossible. So it's pretty important, right? Our, the fact that we would understand something about what faith is and have and be involved in believing God is a pretty important thing for each of us who want to follow Christ, follow God. But it's such a huge subject that there's no way I can cover it all today. I'm going to take a, just a thin slice of the big subject of faith and talk about the life change principle that faith is. And we see that played out here in the lives of Abram and Sarai. Now you may have know you may know these people by the names that God changed uh, changed their original names to Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was the father of the Jewish people, the father of Israel, the father of the faithful. And um, but this is early, very early, the beginning stages of their pursuit of God. And he has, the faith that they will demonstrate, that we will see in these page, this page of, um, you know, maybe more than one page in your Bible, I don't know. This page in the Bible where we see, encounter them at the early stages of their, of their pursuit of God, the faith they demonstrate here will, be, will result in such dramatic change in their lives that their names will be changed from Abram to Abraham, from Sarai to Sarah. But we encounter them here as Abram and Sarai. Verse 1, chapter 12, Genesis. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. Pretty dramatic stuff right here. I don't want to skip over it. God is speaking to Abram and telling him, I want you to pack up and move, but I'm not telling you where. Yet. 
Verse 2. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And get this. And you shall be a blessing. Verse 5. Then Abram took Sarah his wife, or Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Now we don't know exactly how it was that they uh, decided to travel to Canaan. Canaan's a pretty big piece of territory. In case you, I wouldn't blame you if you weren't familiar with it. It's geography, but it's roughly modern-day Israel. It's that part of the Middle East. And they were coming from much farther east, and uh, for reasons we're not clear on, but I'm going to talk a little bit about this in, later, they, they headed towards Canaan. So they were oriented in that direction. But remember, they still don't know the specifics of where they're going. Canaan's a big piece of property. Verse 6, Abram passed through the land, he just kind of wandered around, traveled around Canaan, to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Moreh, and the Canaanites were there in the land. So Abram comes to this very specific spot, and we're told where it was, and there's even a tree there that's identified. But we're also told that there are Canaanites living in that area. Now verse 7, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he, Abram, built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now, when it comes to being to the subject of faith and the kind of faith that transforms my life, that changes my life. It's not just belief. Now, I realize I'm, I'm doing some semantical alterations here. But I want to make a little bit of a distinction, so bear with me. It's not just belief. I can believe all day long that an airplane could get me from L.A. to New York. But until I put the money down to buy the ticket and my butt in the seat, it's not faith. It's that I, I, can, I can imagine that if I were to get on a plane, I could safely arrive in New York. But until I actually do something about it, until I actually put my fanny in the chair, I am just believing. I'm not engaging in faith. So what we see happening here with Abram and Sarai is faith. They actually pack up and leave town for a place they don't even know yet. Now I want you to just notice a few things with me out of this passage. Number one, that the kind of faith that transforms our lives and changes my life always leads me beyond where I am. It will lead you beyond where you are. Get ready. If you want to be a person of faith, you're moving. Now, I don't mean you might move to Sacramento. Well, you might be from Sacramento already. I don't know. I, I don't mean you're going to relocate your dwelling necessarily. It might mean that. 
But what I do mean is that the kind of faith that transforms your life is not going to leave you the same. And you've got to stare this one down because the gravitational pull in all of our lives is to security, comfort. We like to know what's going to happen. Even if we don't like what's happening, as long as we, we know what's going to happen, we prefer that. But that's not the life of faith. I don't want to scare you. I, I want to, I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit will use these words that I'm saying to release you. To release you from the stagnation of what's familiar. To release you from the stranglehold of security. If you see your life always through the prism of security, how will this secure me? How will this make me feel more comfortable? How will this make me feel like I can predict what's going to happen? That's really a stranglehold. And you find yourself eventually not able to breathe. <laughs> Nobody wants to live like that. God wants to free us by being willing to let him move us. Move us towards the things that he has in mind for us. Pack up, Abram. Leave your country, your family, your father's house. Everything is familiar. Follow me. So the kind of faith that changes our lives will always lead us beyond where we are and honestly even though that's a simple point I hesitate in moving on because this one is really you gotta settle this yeah. you gotta settle that but the second thing I want you to see about faith that changes your life is that it makes us more than we are Abram I'm gonna bless you Hallelujah. God bless me all day up one side and down the other. I'm happy with that. Please do that. But that's not the end of the story. He said, I'm going to make you a blessing. You will be a blessing. The kind of faith that, that changes my life is the kind that allows God to make me more than I started out as. More than I am. You know, um, a lot of us have trouble with this. We, we don't see ourselves as having much to offer. We, we don't see ourselves as impactful people. God does. God does. Look me in the eye. God does. God does. And he wants to so pour into you that you begin to transform the people around you. And guess what then happens? The world changes. Now, <clears throat> this is a freebie. I didn't intend to say this, and so you may find that it's not worth freedom or free being free but uh, it, there you go so I, I 
I started on this ridiculous um, path to do a video um, commentary on the Gospel of John a year ago. I, a year later, I'm about halfway through chapter 4. So I got my retirement all set up now. <laughs> so I'm taking it two or, three, <laughs> two or three or four verses at a time. And the reason I did this is because I'm, I, I read the Bible through every year, but I, I, I say that I read for distance. So my devotional Bible reading is about getting as much of it into me as I can over and over and over. And I figure somewhere along the line, something will stick. But I realized uh, about this time last year that I, I really needed, one thing that was missing was that I needed to kind of drill down and focus intently on uh, smaller chunks of the scripture. I do that when I'm preparing to teach and so on, but not for my devotional life. And, and so that's how this all started. But I, um, for weeks now, I, I've been meditating, contemplating three or four verses uh, in John chapter 4. And um, one of the things that came out of all of that is I, I just realized how much hunger there is in the world, in my own life, in the lives of my neighbors, for meaning, yeah. purpose, uh, fulfillment, yeah. transcendence. It is so endemic that marketers have figured this out. Now, they're, they're the ones who are uh, always looking for how they can manipulate us, right? And so marketers these days, one of the hottest thing in marketing is to try to tie our, the sale of goods and services to a cause. They figure that if we, if, you know, if we buy something and in buying something, it, you know, there's some portion of that that goes to save the whales or whatever it is that we'll be more intent to buy. That's how starved for meaning we are. But the thing is, there is, no, there is no philanthropy that ultimately can succeed without human beings being changed. God bless the Bill and Melinda Gates of this world who do such great things. And people who are, with their activism and with their, and with their dollars, making a difference in the world. But ultimately it comes short. Because it all comes back to <laughs> you and me. God wants to change us. And as He is making me more than I am, it allows me to be a seed to inspire that same reaction to the gospel in someone else's life. And pretty soon, people being changed, it changes everything. I see you differently. I respond to uh, the the environment differently. Yeah. I mean, everything starts to change. Yeah. My, my, I, I took a little detour there, but I think you kind of see the thread of, I hope you do anyway, the, the thread of connection. That God wants for us more than we know. In fact, the Bible says, I can't even imagine all that God has planned for me. You cannot dream a dream big enough for your life to capture God's desires for you. 
And the faith that changes my life is the trust I put in God to make me more than what I am. Now the next thing I want you to see here out of this story is that the faith that changes our lives will always help us discover where we belong. And I'd like to have you watch this with me. I've been wrestling with purpose. What was I created for? I'm more than what you see on the surface. See beneath my skin and scars. I'm skinned and scarred. Marred and twisted. Scarred by the past I need to be lifted. And sometimes I question my own existence. What was I put here for? In my seams, it seems that there seems to be more. It's like I'm a light, unplugged from the socket. I mean, do I really exist to put money in my pocket? This nine to five feels like a nine to nine. My mind entwined, I pass the time. Life circles me as I wait. What is my estate? I feel like I was made for something great, and yet I can't quite put my finger on it. But when I look at my fingers and I see their design, I realize I'm one of a kind. And something created me. No, someone created me. And that someone made me for a reason. Even though it's clear the past years have been treason, I still sense this drawing, this calling, that even in the midst of my falling, there was someone who died to pick me up. Someone who rose to fix me up. Someone who's coming back to lift me up. And that someone is Jesus. See, God made me for a purpose. And when I delight in him, it's brought to the surface. The kind of faith that changes my life helps me discover where I belong. And I want to just talk to you about four things regarding that before I let you go today. And the first is this. We are always in it before we know it. We're always in the place of God's... Uh, and by the way, let me just clear this up, that destiny... You, by the way, are a person of destiny. That's what I've been saying. That's what I've been... We've been hearing the Bible say about us. We are people of destiny. But... In God's economy, destiny is not about a destination. It's not about arriving someplace. And even though I'm using that terminology, just know that I understand, and I'm hoping you will now too, that when we're, that when we're talking about God leading us to where we belong, it's not about finally arriving at the place where we go, oh, okay, I'm here. No, it's, it's a journey. It's a journey. Our destiny in God is always about a journey. But God does want us to get, wants to get us on the journey. Wants to take us to where we belong. That route that he's carved out for me and for, uniquely from you to pursue with him. And we are always in it before we know it. Abraham was wandering around Canaan. He comes to this tree of Shechem and God says, this is it. You have been thinking the wrong thing about the circumstances you're in. 
You've been hoping they would change. You might be in the will of God. You know, I, when Sue and I, before we came here to Crossroads, we spent about seven years pastoring or planting a church in San Jose. And in the beginning, I, I got a job uh, at the uh, tech company to help support us while we were planning to start the, or trying to start the church. And so I was doing both. I was working in a very um, intense environment, 10, 12-hour days, and then trying to start a church at the same time. And I complained like crazy to God about that. Until one day I realized, oh, oh, there's a plan here. This is where I belong. And even when we got to the place where I could, I could economically quit that job, I didn't because it was part of God's plan for me. Now, the thing I complained about was the thing that God was using not only in my life but in the lives of other people. We are always in it before we know it. I'm praying that some of you today will figure out, oh, <laughs> this is it. And that's, that's really, that's not bad news. That's good news. It's never what we expect. Can, you, can I just settle that one? It will never, ever be what you expect, ever. I know some of you think you're the exception. No! <laughs> it will never be what you expect. Abram arrives at this tree and God says, this is it. And I can almost see Abram raise his hand and say, but there's people that live here already. Now, don't you imagine that Abraham, when he heard from God, he was going to take him to a place that was going to be his land and the place for his, uh, that he would give as an inheritance to his progeny, that he thought he was going to be pioneering some un, uh, you know, uninhabited territory? I'm certain that's what he thought. It's never what you expect because God is not just messing with us. But he has plans that are so, more in, so much more intricate, so much, more, so much beyond us, that to try to limit him to what we think it ought to be, give it up. It will never, ever be what you expect. Third thing I want you to see about the kind of faith that helps us discover where we belong is it will always require more than we have. That's almost the nature of faith, isn't it? I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I need you, God. <laughs> and it will always be pursuing God and pursuing His will for our lives will always be like we're, like, uh, you know, white knuckle. You know, you know how that they use that phrase. Where, like I always think of it when I get on a roller coaster and I grab the bar and I'm just <laughs> holding on for dear life. White knuckle. It'll always, be, it'll always be that way. It'll require more than we have. And then finally, it will always be better than we dreamed. Always. I believe that God wants for some of us today, with regard to 
how we pursue him in faith to put our butt in the chair. Is that you? If it is, hallelujah, this is the day. This is recording number 11271 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Foursquare Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, August 13, 2017. This is the fourth message in a series titled, How to Alter Your Life. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, Faith, 